0: to the set in just
1: a moment. So, away, Freeman, out well, a mighty roar. Leo Barry, you star! Top for the hall, top
0: goes in! Australia <laughs> win! New world record! The McFadden shoots, she's got it!
1: The, the winner is Cindy. fantastic upset. Australian Samantha Stozer in straight sets is the champion of the United States Open.
2: Here's Aloisi he it it for a place in the World Cup. He yeah! scores! It
3: is The Bench, episode numero four. I don't know what the number four in Italian is. Do you know? What? what? Oh. Well, we're going to try and talk about as much sport as we can in the time that we have got. And I can't, I just simply cannot do it without the very lovely, ravishing, beautiful co-host Becdell. Welcome
4: you a lot to say that, aren't I? Thank you, Dave. I'm very excited. I, Ooh, that's I, my Halloween I, spookiness for you.
3: Does Halloween do it? Is are you a Halloween? Are you pro-Halloween or anti-Halloween? I'm anti. Are you
4: really? Yeah, it's not It's not our thing. It's not Australian. Oh,
3: you know what? I hear this argument every single year. It's never going to go away and we're never going to embrace it. So it's just going to be in limbo forever. Let's talk about sport
4: instead. Much more fun.
3: Exactly. Coming up on the show, we've got a massive show. We're trying to cram as many people in the studio as we can. I'm nervous. Is that that our goal? Yeah, to
4: breathe in so they can all fit.
3: Oh, and speaking of big names, we've got former cricketer Alex Blackwell to come in, and she's going to be talking cricket in general, plus she's going to give us a massive preview to the Women's T20 World Cup that's coming up in the Caribbean.
4: She is. We're also... You know what else it is this weekend, Dave?
3: It's a big, big day on Tuesday. (laughs) Do you you like my horse noise? I don't know how you sneak that in every single I week. I know,
4: it's good. It's Spring Carnival and we're going to talk to Caroline Ralph-Smith. She's the Executive General Manager of Customer Engagement at the VRC and I'm going to ask her about famous people and clothes.
3: Oh, fantastic. From the highs of our Australian women's cricket team and the uh, Spring Carnival to the lows of the report that was given to uh, Cricket Australia yesterday, the 145-page report about the Australian culture and we've got Steve Jordakis who is from the University of Sydney joining us to uh, talk about exactly what is going on and where... Where cricket is going to
4: i've got strong views
3: Dave. i know everybody strong does views well it all started with the bowl tampering and God. now it's finished with the review but what are we going to do with the review well hopefully somebody in the world has a solution and also we're talking to ryan store who is a lecturer at the university of western sydney um he's going to be talking about lgbti supporter groups Excellent. and uh, you know the benefits of those and uh, i think uh, cricket. Teams are looking for some groups as well. So, you know That's my
4: cricket noise.
3: We'll try and do as much as we can to help everyone out tonight. If you want to get in touch, you can simply text us 427 joy 949 or you can email us.
4: On air at joy.org.au You know what it's time for, David. Go on back. It's time for the sports rap. Thank you, David, for that wonderful music. Which, she's done it again. She has. Everyone's favourite horse wings, well, yours, mine and Bruce McEvany's at least, (laughs) created history at Mooney Valley on Saturday when she won her fourth Cox Plate. And my goodness, she made it look easy. She barely cracked a sweat.
3: Does the jockey even use a whip? With winks? As she
4: came around the corner, that last bend onto the straight, I thought, is she going to engage in this race at some point? She was Mm. just walking along, looking at the flowers. But anyway, look, there is some talk this week she might be nearing retirement, but she's on track for her 30th win, so I hope she at least holds out for that. This week, though, racing attention is going to turn to Flemington for the Victorian Derby on Saturday and the Melbourne Cup on Tuesday.
3: It is massive. And last week on the show, we spoke to CEO of the Grand Prix Australia, Andrew Westercott, who got us excited about the Phillip Island MotoGP. And the uh, the favourite, Mark Marquez, fell off in a very uh, awkward incident.
4: Well, and Andrew convinced us that Marquez was going to be the easy winner.
3: Well, he had all the he had all the rights to say that Marquez is going to win. He was a short price favourite, but uh, you can't help if somebody's going to knock your motorbike and you're going to fall off.
4: Well, the winner was a Spanish rider with, I think, one of the greatest names in sport. Maverick Vinales.
3: Mm. Vinales, perhaps. So I think Westercott he predicted, I think, the English guy Crutchlow to finish second, who didn't race due to an injury, and our Jack Miller to finish third, which didn't, he didn't finish third. But I think he raced well. He led for
4: a bit of the race. So uh, good luck to Jack on the future Raider GPs. Well, we'll bring that up with Andrew next time we talk to him. But you know what else happened this week in soccer and Katie Lambesky told me last week I'm allowed to call it soccer. I don't have to call it football. But Football Federation Australia's Chief Executive David Gallup urged all Australians to get behind the bid to host the 2023 Women's World Cup. I mean, how amazing. The Matildas are excited. We're excited. Women's soccer's excited. The campaign Get Onside was launched on my... I like that because... Get onside. I just got that. Was launched on Monday morning in Sydney. And to support the bid, go to osbid 2023com I already
3: have. I've launched... I've uh, signed on, so I'm onside. I'm, I'm going onside. to do it very soon. Yeah, you got to do it. Um, and speaking... Uh, World Series baseball, a massive event and the Americans take it so seriously, but Boston Red Sox, they are just simply far too good and they've won the World Series again for the ninth time, beating the LA Dodgers 4-1 in the playoff series. Steve Pearce was named MVP of the playoff series, hitting the ball out of the park a few times. Surprisingly, Pearce has changed club's Nine times. He's actually changed his clubs nine times since his debut in 2007. Where is the loyalty there? Do people not like him? Does he have to leave? Not Does he sure. upset people?
4: I want to know more. I'm going to investigate. Know. Leave it with me.
3: Piercy, pick up your game, mate. Pick up um, your game. Also, Boston Red Sox, uh, owned by a group called the Fenway Sports Group, who also own Liverpool in the English Premier League. There, just a f- I'm just going to pop in fun facts.
4: I've got a question about the World Series. Why is it called the World Series? Um, the world doesn't play in it. <laughs>
3: Uh, Let me just say one word, the Americans. I'm going to call it,
4: next year we should call it the World AFL Grand Final. Yeah, we should, exactly. The AFL World Championship.
3: Get on to Gil, tell him to change the naming. Right. I'm going to call Gil. Also, or invite the Melbourne Aces to the World Series.
4: There's an idea. There
3: is an idea. Oh, no. One last topic for the sports trap is my poor Manchester United. Oh, they actually won on the weekend against Everton 2-1, but mind you, they are struggling. The all almighty Manchester United that I grew up with no longer exists. And why? Because of one man, Jose Mourinho. What's he done, David? Well, he's the manager, and he's really brought Manchester United down to the latter position of 8th, which Manchester United, to me, is one of the most successful Premier League teams in the history. And we haven't won a title in quite a few years and we're actually going backwards at the speed of light.
4: I'm sure Jose would be very pleased to hear your views yeah. on him.
3: <laughs> However, the board has said that they're going to back him in January in the transfer window and uh, give him a bit of cash to splash. My opinion is I don't think he's going to last to January. So well, You heard it
4: here first, friends. You heard it here first.
3: So we've got Alex Blackwell talking cricket. We've got Caroline Rell-Smith talking spring carnival. Steve george is talking about that cricket review that was handed down the other day. And also we've got Ryan Storr in to talk about LGBTI supporter groups within the sporting environments. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Bench on Joy 94.9. Centre have handed down a 145-page report commissioned by National Body Cricket Australia to review the organisational culture and governance frameworks that affects its operations and the wider impact on men's cricket in Australia. To chat more about this, we are joined by Steve Dujarkis, who is a Senior Lecturer of Sports Studies at the University of Sydney. Welcome to the bench, Steve. Thanks for having me. You have recently published an article on the conversation regarding the review handed down. Now, the report suggests that Cricket Australia established a culture of winning without counting the costs. What does this actually mean, Steve?
1: This basically means that the most important part of the organisation is, is producing winning results. And winning at all costs means winning at all costs. Whatever you have to do to win, that's the philosophy that uh, underpins, well, that underpinned cricket australia for the last few years and of course that that means uh you know bending the rules a little um uh, playing a little outside the rules but as we realized the the australians were playing way outside of the the rules
4: steve why do you think crickets become like this is it an internally created cultural problem or do you think there's external pressures that have created the situation
1: Look, it's an easy answer, and there are two parts to it. The first part, of course, is that uh, we've got a commercialised sporting landscape in Australia, and, of course, one of the most important aspects of commercialised sport is making sure that you have results, that your team actually wins. Because if your team or teams win, uh, that generates more sponsorship, sponsorship, more publicity, blah, 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 and obviously attracts a lot more funding. But on the flip side of that, we also have this uh, culture in, in in all aspects of cricket Australia, where the philosophy was to win at all costs, and that was the most important thing. That uh, it wasn't it wasn't about playing or playing uh, for the love of the sport. The most important thing was to to beat the oppo- um, opposition, and of course, these players and and now we find out the administrators live within this. Uh, philosophical
3: bubble. Now, the, the report mentions that sledging is uh, one of the major problems with the Australian cricket team. However, most cricketers will say that it is a part of the game. How do you see this being fixed?
1: Look, I, I play cricket all my life, and I love the sport. And I must admit, I'm I'm a pretty good sledger. But the sledging that the Australians were involved with was a little out of control. It, 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 It it it, it didn't even move into the grey areas of sledging. It moved into the abusive uh, side of the game, and for many of us who love the game, who love to protect the nature of the game, we felt uncomfortable with this. Um, We were good enough to beat the best teams in the world. We didn't actually have to, you know, to revert to, you know, anti-sporting behaviour. So sledging is an important part of the game. And it's a unique, unique aspect of cricket. But now there needs to be some kind of code of practice. Uh, you know, the public now has to trust um, the Australian cricket team uh, once again. And I think that's the way forward. But there have to be clear boundaries.
3: Now, the code of practice that you're mentioning, do you think that has to be created by the Australian cricket team and enforced by the Australian cricket team? Because one of the recommendations in the report was to provide the umpire with a potential to send off players for abusive uh, language on the field. However, Cricket Australia don't really have the jurisdiction to enforce that. So how do we go about getting rid of that sort of crossing the line sledging?
1: it's quite easy. It's a philosophical slash cultural issue. Um, Other countries, other sporting teams, other sporting cricket teams don't do it. The the Kiwis don't do it. They don't need to do it. And and I I think it can't be led by by umpires or or by fines. It really has to be led by the organisation. And once the organisation makes the decision and says, listen, this is what Um, is uh, acceptable sledging, this is what is not acceptable sledging, well, the problem will be eradicated. But but, but there are grey areas at the moment. Nobody wants to address the issue in a sustained manner up until obviously yesterday.
4: Steve, one of the things that's been really part of the conversation um, that I've read since these reports came out is referring to, you know, the punishments that Smith and Warner and Bancroft got for their roles in the ball tampering scandal. One of the things that I guess has really made me mad is that there seems to be a discussion around the results of this survey giving justification for their behaviour. It wasn't their fault, it was the culture they're in. What's your take on that? Look, the
1: the bans can never be... Overturned, and I think that's at the moment that's coming from the uh, Australian Cricket Players Association, and obviously they represent the players, and you can understand that. But to to have the public believe in the sport once again, the, the one year bans have to stay, and, and I'm sure they will stay. Now, regarding the punishment that the three players were given, they were punished. I mean, the real issue now is. Um, we've got a report which actually says that the administrators themselves, you know, turned a blind eye to this, in many ways created the, the, the atmosphere there so this, this stupid ball tampering thing could occur. So the players are to blame. The, the captain and the vice captain are to blame because they picked out a player who they thought the, the cameras wouldn't focus on. But now it's time for the senior administrators to, to perhaps, you know, fall on, fall on their swords.
4: I mean, where, where, does the, where do you draw the line, though, between that culture and, that, and the administrators and these being grown men who are getting paid hundreds of thousands, probably millions of dollars a year in the case of Warner and Smith to be 100% accountable for their own personal actions and the actions of really bullying, if you're going to call it that, of Cam Bancroft?
1: hundred percent. And like I said, they, they've been punished. And I think the punishment they received was, was fair. I mean, the real issue now is that the cricket administrators, you know, Sutherland, who's no longer there, they allowed this philosophy. You know, the leadership was poor. It wasn't strong enough. They didn't address issues associated um, with, um, you know, the culture of the team and, and, and some of the things that we're reading about now. And the reason why they never addressed it is that their leadership was obviously weak as well. And that's the real disappointing aspect of all of this. Some of these administrators, you know, and and many of them are from the business world, you know, their reputations aren't really tarnished, but the players' reputations are.
3: We are talking to Senior Lecturer of Sports Studies at the University of Sydney, Steve Georgiakis, who has recently written an article on The Conversation regarding the review on Australian Cricket. Now, Steve, cricket has always been held very highly here in Australia uh, to the extent of the captain being regarded as the second most important job in Australia other than the uh, the Prime Minister. How can cricket be fixed and is it going to be a quick solution?
1: Look, I've been reflecting on this all day and the real issue for cricket now is that it doesn't want to be seen in the eyes of the Australian public as being another, you know, you know, inverted commas, you know, corrupt organization like, you know, like the banks or, or any of the other, you know, scandals that we're, we're finding out about in the wider community. Cricket's always held this really privileged place in, in, in our society. It was a, a sport that was supposed to teach um, initially boys and men about, uh, you know, life skills, but now we find lots of girls and women playing the sport. So it still has this you know, cultural importance. It's a great definer of who we are as Australians, and of course, if its reputation is lifted, and if we don't address, you know, these issues related to sledging and you know and you know player behaviour and all that kind of stuff, its its significance in our society will start to you know to, to deteriorate in many ways, and it's very disappointing when you. You talk about the the captain of Australia having such an important place in our society and Ricky Ponting is out there, you know, promoting all these sports betting agency that the, he's involved with. I mean, all of these issues are problematic for, um, you know, for believers of, of this great game of cricket.
4: Well, Steve, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time and I guess we look forward to seeing where cricket can go from here.
1: Okay, thank you for having me.
4: Thanks very much.
3: That was Steve Drodakas, Senior Lecturer of Sports Studies at the University of Sydney. You're listening to The Bench on Joy 94.9. It's all but November in Melbourne and that means only one thing. Spring Carnival time. It's all about the horses on track, but there's also a lot happening off track. Joining us now to tell us all about that side of the races is VRC, Executive General Manager of Customer Engagement, Caroline ralph Welcome to The Bench, Caroline. Thank you very much. Firstly, for those who live under a rock, what are the big days <laughs> on the spring carnival calendar we should know about?
5: Uh, the big days that you should know about are, firstly, Amy Victoria Derby Day coming up this Saturday, um, Lexus Melbourne Cup Day, which, of course, is Tuesday, um, Kennedy Oaks Day, which is the following Thursday, and Emirates Steaks Day, um, a week from Saturday. Just a couple of oh, things. Sorry, sorry, let me, can I just correct? Sorry, it's a bad thing. It's actually now a brand-new sponsor, Several Wines for Steaks Day.
4: Well, there you go. Big Big year for seppled Swines, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> now, Caroline, if you'd seen a photo of him, you'd think I was lying, but Dave fancies himself as a fashionista, and we know fashion is one of the big aspects of Supreme Carnival. Firstly, have you got any suggestions for us about what we should be wearing? And secondly, is there somewhere at the races we can oh. enter a competition <laughs> to show off our fashion? There you go. What a great question.
5: Um that was my my feeling around fashion for the Melbourne Cup Carnival is to really just wear something that you feel sensational in because I think if you feel great about how you look, you end up having a much better time. Um, you may or may not know now you don't have to wear socks at the Melbourne Cup Carnival. Which hmm. is something we changed a couple of years ago. So it gives you a bit more flexibility, um, especially for the men. Um, but really something I think we do like people to get dressed up. We don't have enough um, opportunities, I think, to really, um, put on something that we really feel great in that's super fancy. And so I, I really suggest that people, um, give that a crack. And yes, we have, uh, Maya Fashions on the Field, which is held in our park area up behind our grandstand. Um, that's been going, um, for a very long time, since 1962. Um, it's just got better and better. Um, and it's run over all four days of the carnival and anyone can enter. And we have the, the Melbourne um, finalist happening on for women happening on Oaks Day. And we have um, the kids and family on um, Separate Wines Day Day.
4: Oh, there you go. I once wore shoes to the Melbourne Cup that was so uncomfortable that blood started seeping out the side of them. Oh. So I do very much appreciate your advice about something you feel comfortable in. Uh, look, I,
5: I actually have layers of shoes. So I start with my heels, but then I go down and down and down and end up in white flat, flat shoes by the end of the day. So you sort of... Good to have somewhere to sort of um, pop a a spare pair in your bag, I think.
3: Now, when it comes to uh, men's fashion, is there anything that you don't like what men are doing at the moment?
5: Anything I don't like? Um, Look, not really. I honestly just love – I think people showing their own personality is what we love. Um, Being a little bit quirky, I think there's something about – Melbourne and um, Melbourne's chance to really shine in fashion um, during the carnival, uh, along with our fashion festivals, of course. And so there's nothing that I really don't like. I just, if people make an effort and feel good, um,
4: I think that, you know, we welcome them. There's a chance even for you, Dave. Yeah, well, there I'm, you go. I'm pro-quiff,
3: you know that.
4: <laughs> now, Caroline, when it comes to the spring carnival, I'm probably 30% interested in horses and 70% interested in looking out for what celebrities are in town. So who do I have to look forward to this year?
5: Um, our headliner is, of course, Sam Smith. We're so excited to have Sam coming to see two races on Melbourne Cup Day for us, which will be absolutely fantastic. Um a huge and, and a huge star for us and we're very excited about that. Um, we also have though El McPherson turning up for Dami Day. Um, we have some great lineups in the park in terms of um, talent. Um, we've got the presets, uh Hayden James coming, Amy Shark, Conrad Soul. Um, and um, we have you yeah, we have actually something happening every single day.
3: That's it's really big it's really nice Caroline?
5: Yes, and we also have Dion Warwick coming. So you may or may not know our our advertising campaign features her song, Dion Warwick, is actually coming also
3: on Melbourne Cup Day.
4: Wow. Just a couple of small names in there. Yeah, just to top up Daryl
3: Braithwaite's performance of Horses at Cox Play, that's very hard to beat.
4: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's great.
5: But he does a great job out there, I have to say, and gets the crowd going, and I hope we do too.
4: Absolutely. Well, the spring carnival is about to hit its peak with the upcoming Melbourne Cup and we're talking all things off track with Caroline Rousniss from the VRC. Now, Caroline, all smart race goers, which I have not always been in my life, know we need to line our stomachs. What are some of the food options I'm going to be able to find?
5: So if you are cutting, um as a regular punter, which many people do, um I would also suggest you go up to the park. So fashion and food um, all exist up there beautifully. We have some fantastic offerings. So every year we try and really change up what we have up there and showcase some of the um, hottest and most recent Melbourne fooderies. So we've got Easy's up there um, doing fantastic burgers, Drumplings, which do really interesting dumplings, um, South of the Wall that's got Mexican food, uh, Takeaway Pizza, It's a really big sliced New York-style pizza, Princess Pies, a, and then we have our own bars and restaurants up there serving fantastic cocktails on of course, mum champagne and Furfy beer and, you know, a huge amount going on up there. Um, but, of course, if you want to go to the front lawn and actually have a look at a couple of races, there's also plenty of options down there. We have our St Place precinct, which also has lots of food options
3: down there as well. It's really the wrong time to talk about food. I mean, you're, getting me, you're making me hungry here. Um, what's your favourite day of the carnival and what do you most look forward to? My
5: favourite day is Derby Day. It's also, as someone that works at the carnival, probably the most stressful, but I like it because it's quintessentially Melbourne. It's also the first day. Um, but I also love Oaks Day. It's, um, it's a little quieter. It is, um, really just a, a day that's a little bit more relaxed and absolutely gorgeous to see. Um, all of the ladies and men get dressed up just beautifully and, um, just have a really relaxed time. And there's something really cheeky about doing that on a work day, I think. So they're my two favourites.
3: Uh, For the families, what does the Spring Carnival offer for family fun?
5: So on Steak Day, on our Separate Wine Steak Day, we um, changed a section of our um, offering next to the park and opened it up to families. So we've got a a little top this year. We've got lots of fun things for kids to do, younger kids, older kids. And we've also got ice cream and lots of other food offerings that we um, provide there as well. So um, And, you know, of course, the day itself, just bring a picnic blanket and you can um, find a green spot and, and just really enjoy the day.
4: Sounds excellent. Now, Caroline, we like to put our guests under pressure here on the bench. We want to know, who's your tip to win the Cup? Well,
5: at the moment, we haven't actually finalised the field, but that wouldn't stop me because I'm very happy to sort of have a crack. Um, We'll find out on Derby Eve exactly who's going to be in the race. But there's a a horse called Runaway. Now, this has nothing to – I am not a racing expert, expert, but there's something lovely about that name and that idea of running away I just love. Um, but maybe also young star. We've seen Chris Waller's um, mayor came second to um, second to Winks in our Turnbull Stakes um, and did a really fantastic run. So if if I was going to tip anything, I would
3: go with those guys. Oh, thanks for that. Well, we will be uh, having a bob or two each way <laughs> on Runaway. So thanks so much for that. Uh, we'll be looking at our best come Cup Day and hope to possibly squeeze in a winner or two. Thanks so much for sharing with us a fantastic preview of the upcoming Spring Carnival. That was Caroline Ralph-Smith from the Victorian Racing Club. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Bench. Enjoy. LGBTI supporter groups in the sporting landscape are becoming more common which is great for inclusion within sport and to chat more we are joined by a lecturer in sport development at Western Sydney University and co-founder of Proud to Play, Ryan Stoll, welcome to the bench
2: Welcome, uh, sorry Hello, thank you for having me <laughs> um, now, I-, I welcome you to your own show Thank you
3: Ryan <laughs> Now you're busy working on some research to do with the LGBTI supporter groups Tell us more Yes, so I'm working with Cricket
2: Victoria and the two Northern based um, big bash teams around developing LG supporter groups so we've been working especially through Pride to play with Cricket Victoria for a couple of years now and they've had the Pride Cricket program and they've won and widened the Pride in Sport so this is the next step on their um, kind of action plan um, and we've seen a large increase in AFL supporter groups um, in cricket they haven't really been there we don't really know much about them in terms of other countries we know that there's football ones and. Um, the UK, for example, so what we're doing, we they commissioned us to do some research about basically how these supporters started in AFL, um, and a little bit more information about the dynamics of um, why they're needed, what people get out of it, what the best approaches were in terms of working with the club and the administration, um, and then hopefully, we, well, we're going to produce a report for them basically to come up with like the kind of best practice and um, evidence base to help facilitate these in the big batch clubs.
4: Ryan, whether it's cricket or footy or other sports, how important is it to have these LGBTI su- supporter groups within sporting environments?
2: Well, one of the things that really has well, it's kind of not struck me, but it's really um, been evident because we've we've done half half of the interviews already. And um, these supporter groups are really important for these people because often they don't feel comfortable within the environment and they've actually heard. Maybe negative stories. I've heard a lot of um, abuse um, and homophobic language at football matches. And when you're a passionate sports fan and you kind of want to go and you want to have leisure time, um, hearing these things going on, it's not great and it just puts people off. Um, and there's been there was a bit of research done by Vic House, um and Latrobe last year around the Pride Game. And there's a big perception still: live sport events, whether it's football, rugby, cricket. Especially with alcohol involved, is not an appealing environment for LGBTI people, um, especially trans people and um, gender diverse people. Um, so there's this perception and it's that it's been welcoming. If you think about some of the rhetoric around um, like Hannah Mountie in the NFL and trans athletes, um, it can really put people off. So often people say, oh, why do we need these supporter groups? Um, LGBTI people aren't really participating in sport as much as other people compared to the rest of the population. And this goes the same as live sport as well. So having these supporter groups just is kind of solidarity in numbers. Um, because people want to engage and people want to um, be part of the sporting environment. Um, but they sometimes don't feel maybe welcome. So solidarity in numbers is good. Um and this there's, there's still obviously with the marriage equality debate we started, there's still quite a bit of homophobia, um transphobia, biphobia actually within. And often there's, there's been a bit of psychology research about that like, football hooligans. Some people wouldn't necessarily shout homophobic homophobic abuse at people in the streets. But then you're at this live sport spectacle, tensions are running you, club your team might be losing, and then suddenly you turn into <laughs> Sometimes you can actually tend to this animal who's screaming and shouting. You've had quite a few drinks and you could just be shouting all this homophobic abuse. It's kind of this sport environment actually brings the worst out in people sometimes.
3: Now, we've seen many of these groups become important parts of clubs, but how are they formed? Is it supporter-driven or is it more it comes from the club or organisation?
2: More often than not, is volunteer and um, community-led. So there have been a few instances, I think St Kilda, for example, and the Sydney Swans, was very much kind of initiated initially by, um, by the club and they were, they reached out to the community and they wanted to develop these groups. Um, and that's initially like the same with the Renegades and the Stars. They're the ones who are really prompting and driving it. But most often than not, all these groups have started by volunteers and passionate people. Most have been, um, members and most have grown up with these clubs in their family and they have been avid sport fans. But it's interesting, a couple of the people who started the Purple Bombers, initially they started it, Jason Twizam, Sheen, and a couple of others, they were going to Wessingham matches, but they didn't often feel completely comfortable. And they didn't feel comfortable maybe going with the partners or showing their, um showing affection and things like that. But they actually started it, um, and they've talked on their record about this. Um They actually started it because they wanted to just be able to engage with the club. Now the Purple Bombers is an example. They have um, they've got like a membership tier, they've got merchandise, they're an official culture group, they've got a board member who's part of the Purple Bombers. Like it's really embedded and institutionalized within that club. Um so and that's the same really with the other clubs, but often these are really initiated by the community for the community. Um and a lot of a lot of these volunteers put in a lot of effort and time, and they don't get paid for it, and they don't get free membership so it's really an important aspect that these volunteers are the ones driving it and actually providing these opportunities for people to engage um and they're real treating real champions of our community.
4: Well, we're talking with lecturer in sport development at Western Sydney Uni and the co-founder of Proud to Play, Ryan Store. Now, Ryan, cricket season's coming up very quickly. Are there LGBTI supporter groups that people can get involved with if they're cricket fans?
2: Not yet, but there is. We want them to be. So, if anybody is interested, I have a passion for cricket. Is there anyone even involved in the AFL supporter group? If you'd like to get involved with either the Renegades or the Stars, um, I'll put something on Twitter um, so people can engage with that way or you can get in touch with Cricket Victoria. Um, but basically, yeah, we're looking for um, fan, passionate fans to help initiate and start these groups um, and they'll be supported with Proud to Play but there will also be quite a bit of support from Cricket Victoria and the two clubs. So if, we, if there are passionate fans out there who want to start and want to help develop these groups then we would love to hear from you because I know Cricket Victoria has got some exciting things planned um, and There's plenty of big bash matches coming up. So, yeah, we'd love to hear from
3: you. We'll make sure to promote it on our socials where we can and share the details and how people can get involved. Thanks for sharing your time with us on the bench and we're sure we'll have you on again.
4: That was Ryan Stoyle, lecturer at Western Sydney Uni and co-founder of Power to Play. You're listening to The Bench on Joy.
3: Women's T20 World Cup is just around the corner and our Aussies will be in the thick of it. To talk more on the line is former Australian cricketer and all-round cricket expert Alex Blackwell. Welcome to the bench. G'day, guys. Uh, women's cricket is kicking some great goals right now. How exciting is it to be involved in the game?
0: Well, I think I've retired at the right time because there's so many things to be involved in now. I've been doing some coaching. I'm I'm actually at cricket training right now, so you might hear stuff in the background. But (laughs) I've been doing some coaching, some commentating. I'm sitting on the board of New South Wales, and I'm still playing. I'm captain of the Sydney Thunder in the Big Bash coming up. But, yeah, really exciting with the World T20 about to start and our Aussie side. Many of my very good friends. um, They're in great shape, and I I do think they go in as favourites. They're ranked number one, and a big uh, rival will be England, I believe.
3: Oh, you're doing a lot in retirement. You're supposed to be enjoying yourself. It looks like you're doing more than what you were doing in your playing (laughs) career.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I have to sort of change my mindset around um, what preparation looks like because I've got other things going on, um, but I still do anticipate um, having a good big last season or that's what I'm intending to do anyway. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It's such a wonderful tournament to be a part of and to captain the side. uh, It's going to be great fun. We've got a really good lineup. Many of the players will be returning from the World Cup, fresh off the plane and onto the field for the Big Bash. And hopefully, our Thunder players are coming home world champions. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not not Stefanie Taylor, who's playing for West Indies, but um, I think the Aussies will do really
3: well. Now, you, you talk about the Aussies. They do kick off their World Cup campaign against Pakistan on November nine. And they're captained by Meg Lanning and will be featuring some big names, uh, Elise Perry, uh, and also wicket keeper, Elisa Healy. What do you think is the key to Australia winning the World Cup?
0: I think it is how our bowling group sets up. I think our batting group is unbelievable. We, we bat so deep in the order, um, with, you know, the likes of Elise Perry coming in at seven or something like that. And, um, Sophie Mullen, who opens the batting for her, um, the bash side coming in at eight. So look, um batting I'm not concerned about. I'm, I I am really interested to see how our young spinners you know, step up against quality opposition. We've we've just seen them against Pakistan in a three T twenty series and they did very well. But they'll they'll come up against those young spinners, Ash Gardner, Sophie Molyneux, Georgia Wareham will come up against higher quality batters in the likes of um well, you got Stephanie Taylor, you got Harlan Creek Corps. So, yeah, I think that they're a young group. We've relied on our spinners heavily in the past, and uh, this is a new mix of, of young bowlers who will need to step up.
3: And, and and leading into the World Cup, what's the atmosphere? Have you heard anything from the playing group? Is there a you know a swell of confidence heading into the World Cup?
0: Uh, the group's in a good place from all for, from all reports. Um, they're smiling a lot on the field. They're having a good time. Um, what I'm seeing is that they're, they're quite uh, dynamic in, in the way they're playing the game. They're adapting to different scenarios when they're five or six down early in a T20 chasing. Um, we've still got the batters to show that resilience and bring us home. So we we saw some great results against New Zealand recently and also against Pakistan. And uh, what I like to see is the, the bowlers using a lot more variations. So they're using their bouncer, their slow balls and and using Yorkers. So hopefully all the listeners understand all the different terms I've just used there. But <laughs> basically uh you know, that they're showing their skill. They're not just bowling the same ball time and time again. They're they're going to different options and keeping the batters on their
3: toes. Yeah, sure. And you speak about the bowling uh, group. How does the Caribbean offer what what does the Caribbean the pitchers offer the bowling group?
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, uh the Caribbean's an amazing place to travel to. Um, and if you're lucky enough to play cricket there, uh, they, they absolutely love it as a nation or a, a group of nations. Uh, there's often drums and music at the game. They've created a really great atmosphere and, um, you know, beautiful beaches, obviously for a bit of recovery, but what you'll expect is, uh, slow turning rickets. Uh, so therefore the, the group with the best spinner sack, I think will win the tournament. So that's why I've with such an emphasis on our young skin group. So there'll be slow low wickets. We may not see as big a total in terms of the batting because it'll be slightly harder uh, with that slow wicket but they'll, they'll love playing over there, that's
3: for sure. And speaking uh, about the, we spoke enough about the bowling group but the, the batting. Elisa <sighs> Healy seems to be firing on all cylinders at the right time. Could she become uh, our X Factor in the World Cup? Uh, she's
0: She's on fire at the moment, and um, I think one thing that's really gone well for her, she stepped up as captain of the, the New South Wales Breakers in, in my absence now that I'm retired. She's uh, she's taken the reins and, and doing a great job, and she's also um, lifted her own performances and her own fitness standards as well. I mean, she's always been a classic kicker, but she's taken it up a notch, and I think that leadership position at New South Wales um, has, has really kicked, kicked on, um, her motivation, and there's a lot more that we're going to see from her. She's still quite young, and, um yeah, she's showing great signs. Also, we've got Beth Mooney, who's uh, teaming up with Elisa Healy opening the batting. She's a danger player, left-handed, and um, she's she's one to watch out for as well in this tournament. Now,
3: there's, there seems to be some cloud over the fitness of Captain uh, Meg Ladding. What's the latest with her? Is she expected to take up her spot in the World Cup?
0: Oh, I think we'll see her play every match. She's pretty tough cricketer. Um, if, you, if you watch her play and lead the side in the, the World Cup 50 overs, she basically played with one arm. Her shoulder was pretty much um, hanging on <laughs> uh, by a few threads, I think. So, um, no, I think this would just be a precaution, provide opportunity for other players. Jess Jonathan coming back from injury, so they would have loved an opportunity to play her and resting Meg, I'm not sure what the niggle is all about. Um, but I, I, I just think it's still looking good for the Australian side.
3: And uh, in the World Cup, who do you think is the Aussies' biggest competition?
0: Yeah, I think definitely England. Um, they've, they've played really good T20 cricket for a long time. Uh, they know their game inside out. And uh, they've proven to be pretty tough to beat. And, and uh, well, we've got the record, though, so, Um We've got three T20 World Cup titles under our belt, and the players will be looking to make it a fourth. They will be favourites, so that that puts a little bit of pressure on, but close behind is England.
3: We're talking with former Aussie cricketer and uh, now coach and doing a lot more off the ground, and (laughs) Alex Blackwell here on the bench. Now, with the World Cup, uh, how do you feel about the health of um, women's cricket in Australia? Like. If we go to the pointy end of the World Cup, can we sustain success at the top level with the girls coming through the ranks?
0: Oh, absolutely. We, we've had a real groundswell of girls-only cricket teams uh, playing in the Sixes and Thunder Girls Cricket League. Uh, there's been an explosion of numbers for that really young, younger age group, so from under 11 through to under 15. And what we'll expect to see is, is time. Those numbers will filter through. The grade cricket so I've been going back to my grade team universities university team I'm not Sydney any right now we're just finished training and the numbers look good. Uh, you know even adult adults coming back to the game because they've seen it on CD so um, the health of women's cricket is 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 excellent at the moment and uh, will only get stronger.
3: Now you speak about the health of women's cricket. Now obviously switching to uh men's cricket with the report being handed down earlier this week regarding the culture within the men's team. Now the the report also said that, that it didn't affect women's cricket at all. Mm. But do you see women's cricket potentially making some proactive moves to ensure that uh that a, a negative or a, a bad culture comes into the women's change rooms in the locker? Oh
0: look, I think I think we've had a real shake up in cricket generally. Um So obviously a poor incident that happened in South Africa got everyone's attention and it it did show how important cricket is to the public here in Australia. And, um, while the, the Australian women have had a wonderful record, their performances are outstanding and they've always played in the right spirit and great integrity. Um, you know, it's an opportunity for them to be proactive, as you say. Um, they've seen how a small, you know, it's easy to slip up and do the wrong thing. And I think what we've learned is, yeah, look, you can make mistakes, but it's how you, how you sort of, sort of own that mistake and, and move through it. And I think someone like Steve Smith has done that very well. And yeah, I think we'll, we'll see Steve Smith come back to the game, a, a better person, um, through this, uh, tough time and, and he'll be a better cricketer too. I don't think he'll want this to be his legacy. So I reckon, uh, one of the world's best Cricketers we've seen will come back and show us even more
3: on the field. And and with your role on the New South Wales board, what's the, the chat there? Is is it is that something that the New South Wales board are also trying to act on with the, with the state teams?
0: I think you know a significant report into culture uh, at the highest level um, is certainly something we need to be across and understand and and um, yeah have a have a look at how that how that impacts on us and, and um, it's an opportunity for us to make sure we can be proactive too with uh, what we're doing in New South Wales.
3: Now, we know that you've got a massive big bash uh, coming up uh, early next year. Um, what else is on for you over the summer? Will we be uh, seeing you uh, in the media?
0: Yeah, I, I've been doing a bit of commentary for Fox Sports and absolutely love that. Um, I'm doing some radio commentary uh, for the men's international T20s. So, I really uh look forward to that because you don't you're not just a commentator on women's cricket like if you're a good commentator you can probably commentate on on any cricket so uh I'm very early in my career of I'm only 3 games in and um I'm looking forward to doing more commentary but the first and foremost sort of priority is is playing well for the Sydney Thunder captaining them again in the fourth fourth WBBL uh we won the first one and, uh, Sydney Sixers, our cross-town rivals, have won the next two. So we'd love to make it to all. In oh, okay, horse,
3: that's good. Uh, and, w- and what are
0: horse, the chances? Uh, oh, very high. We've got a great side. Um, we, we've performed well, um, in every, in every big bash, probably not, not the second one so much, but, um, Sixers are obviously a strong side with a good history of success. So it'd be Sydney. Thunder and Sydney Six is right up there, um, as favourites, I would have thought. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess that shows, I know you guys are down in Victoria, but strength of Cricket in New South Wales, um, with the New South Wales Breakers, they're basically going for their 20th title in 23 years. Wow. So, uh, they've been dominant, closely followed by Victoria.
3: We'll be <laughs> we'll be cheering you on, Alex. But uh, yeah. you know, we are the Victorians down here, so we'll be cheering on the Vicks as well. Um, yeah, we could, that's fine. We could talk cricket forever. I love cricket. We uh, we love chatting about cricket on the bench. Um, we'll be cheering on the Aussies very loudly while they compete in the upcoming World Cup. Thanks so much for giving us time, and we hope to talk more cricket with you again.
0: Great, thanks for
3: that. That was Alex Blackwell giving us insight to the Aussie women's cricket team chances in the World Cup that kicks off on November nine. You're listening to the Bench on Joy. Episode four is done and dusted for another day. Oh, what a ravishing show. I'm exhausted. It's like I've run a marathon. I know. We had uh, Caroline Ralph Smith in to uh, talk about everything spring carnival, uh, the fashions on the field, uh, Sam Smith and all the entertainers that are singing on the carnival.
4: Wearing comfortable shoes.
3: Actually, actually, let's stop right there. That's probably the most important thing that we've got out of the oh, hour. absolutely. We also thank Alex Blackwell for joining us on the line and talking cricket. There's a massive Women's T20 World Cup coming up, and we covered all things that I think the Aussies, I think they can win. Uh, Steve Georgiakis uh, from University of Sydney, he spoke about the cricket culture and the findings that was handed down on Monday. Um, there's a lot more to come with that story. and I'm sure across the weeks, across the months, the bench will be all over it.
4: Like a rash. We also had Ryan Storr talking to us about LGBTI supporter groups. And if you want to start one for the Renegades or the Stars, we'll put it on our socials, get in touch with Ryan via Twitter.
3: Yes, and speaking of the socials, you can follow us on at the bench on Joy on our Twitter account, uh, we're trying, you know, be across as many sporting stories as we can as the week. The week.
4: yes, exactly. If you've got an idea, actually, let us know. <laughs>
3: yes, and uh that's all we—that's all we've got for tonight.
4: Thank you, Lizvin. Thank you, ball boys.
3: Game set match. That's it. Good night. You've been listening to the bench on Joy.